Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. Grab your Bibles with me, if you will. Grab your smartphones, grab your iPads, whatever you've got. Let's use them tonight. I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 tonight, if you would do this. I'm going to grab my phone so I know what time we've got here, too. Wow, what a night. Thank you, Lord. So good. You know, while you're turning there, I just I want to express something just from my heart with being a messenger from the Lord and bringing messages from the Lord. I, I have personally laid aside the fantasy that everyone is going to actually like me. <laughs> I, I've laid aside that fantasy that everybody's going to like me, and I've also laid aside the message that everybody's going to applaud the message. But this is what I really try to do as a servant of the Lord. I try to elevate people and move them in to the Spirit of God and to the grace of God and the goodness of God for their life. I always try to lift people and call them higher. It's so, so important in this hour that we get a lift in the Spirit. Amen. So tonight, we're going to go some places, and I believe that the Lord's going to use this message. I really believe it's timely, and I believe the Lord's going to use this message in a beautiful way. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is transforming our lives. Your word is remaking us shaping us, conforming us into the image of Jesus. Thank you for your word. Now, Lord, I ask that you would just exceed far beyond what I'm saying in the natural, what I'm going to articulate tonight. I ask for the winds of the Spirit to begin to blow in this sanctuary tonight, the winds of the Spirit of God to blow in this place tonight. And I pray, Lord, that we would hear things from you, directly from you, and that we yield ourselves and let ourselves be conformed to what you are telling us in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I charge you, therefore, before God and our Lord Jesus Christ, whom will judge the living and the dead. Wow who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with long-suffering and teaching. For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because They have itching ears, and they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn away from the truth. You know, Paul is not holding back here. You see this? He's not holding back, and thankfully, he wrote this to his spiritual son, Timothy, and to every generation that would follow in the way. And they will turn away from the truth, and they will be turned aside to fables But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions. Wow. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill 
your ministry. You know, before I go any farther, see, Timothy became the pastor in Ephesus, and Ephesus and Antioch were the two most powerful churches in the New Testament that we know from Christian history and throughout church history. But even though that Timothy had now become a pastor through the apostolic ministry of Paul, he's commissioning him and saying, your ministry is not even, it's not just pigeonholed in an area of pastoring. I'm calling you to do the work of an evangelist. You see that? It's so vital. It's so important. Fulfill your ministry. Verse 6. Y'all with me? For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And has departed for, Th- for Thessalonica, and Cretans for Galatia, and Timothy for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring my cloak that I have left at Cropus, at Troas, when you come and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. Wow, that's pretty sobering. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. That was at his first offense, remember that. May it not be charged against them. Thank you, Father, for your anointing. So I want you to write this down tonight, and I want to introduce this subject about four different types of people that the Apostle Paul encountered throughout his ministry. Would you do that? Four different types of people that he encountered throughout his ministry. Now, we know that Jesus Christ was the greatest man to walk planet earth. How many would shout amen to that? He was the greatest man to ever, ever walk planet earth. But aside from the Lord, we know that the apostle Paul was one of the greatest individuals, one of the greatest men, one of the greatest apostles to walk the planet. Now this letter, you notice, is to his spiritual son, Timothy. But I also want to say again, this letter is to every generation that follows in the way, following Christ. And I want you to see this, that now Paul, this is so important that we get the right context. Paul is now writing the letter to Timothy, and he's letting him know what season of life he is in. And if you notice in verse 7, he said, it is now time for my departure. That doesn't mean that he's got a flight out of Tampa to San Fran. It's not his departure time. He's saying it's time for my departure. Literally, 
I'm at the closing season of my life. That's what the apostle is saying. He's saying, son, I'm literally at the closing mark. I'm at the door. I'm at the closing season of my life. I'm at the closing season of my ministry. And at this time, look at his closing statement of faith. Here's his statement. He said, I have fought the good fight. Wow. Paul is at, on literally at the verge of being killed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's about to be beheaded for the gospel. And he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. This is so strong tonight. If that's not underlined in your iPad, in your phone, in your Bible, would you underline that tonight? Let's read it one more time. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Now, nobody endured the, the level of suffering like Paul except literally Jesus himself. We talked several weeks ago about the cities that Paul would go into, and he, would, he went into Iconium, and he went into Lustra, and there, even in those cities, he was beaten by raging mobs. And in some of those cities, he was taken, and he was literally stoned, what they thought, to death. In Lustra, Paul's body, the way that, the, the way that some of, in church history, we know that some of them would, would, they would take the man outside of the city, they would bury him up to his waist with his hands down, and then they would begin to stone them. Now, it's interesting to me that, you know, as we talked to, for those of you that were here just a few weeks ago, many people have a lot of different ideas about the thorn in the flesh that Paul carried. And a lot of people believed and have taught for years that Paul had bad eyesight and he was praying for his eyes to be healed. I want to suggest to you, I'm just going to tell you plainly, I don't believe that whatsoever. I think anyone who has been stoned several times is going to have issues with their eyes. I believe that Paul's thorn in his flesh was the revelation and the reality of those that he had taken literally their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet here he is now in the closing season of his life, and this is his declaration, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Wow. So I want to introduce you tonight to the first person. The, there's four different people that Paul came across tonight. The first person, number one, if you'd write it down, is the victimized person. Would you do that? The victimized person. In verse 10, Paul says these words, and these are very strong words. He says, Paul says, Demas has forsaken me. And why did he do it? It says, having loved this present world. How honest is that? How honest is that? How transparent, how open is that? He says, he has forsaken me. It is a very strong, strong word. He's, he's forsaken me. Why? Because he has loved this present world, and now he's departed. You could say, really, that Demas is like a lot of people. A lot of people, they start out with great zeal. They, they start out with great ideas. They have great enthusiasm. They have great fire. They're following the Lord, and yet they end up 
being taken away or what I would say victimized by the things of the world. Now, now we don't have to guess why he fell away. Paul says it's clear. He says, Demas has forsaken me. And, and what, was, what was the cause? He was loving this present world. So we're not guessing at this, folks. This is not a stretch. This is what Paul writes. You can start out with great zeal. You can have passion. You can have enthusiasm. You can have fire in your bones. And yet, you can also come to the place where you can become backslid and literally fall away from the Lord. And you become victimized because you begin to go off after the present things of the world. Now listen to this. The the word forsake, what does it mean? I looked it up. It means to abandon, to desert. Forsake means to abandon. He was saying, Demas has abandoned me. He's taken off. He's deserted me. Every one of us have to remember this life truth. It is not just how we all start. It's how we continue, and it's how we finish. It's not just how you start. It's not just how you start. It's how you start, and it's how you continue, and it's how you continue. And even when you're in life storms, when you're in pressures, when everything is coming against you, you have to continue. If Paul was here, Paul is literally still preaching from this word in 2018. He is saying, I kept the faith, and I stayed the course. Come on. Are you with me tonight? It's interesting. Demas was victimized. Demas was victimized. Write it down tonight. Demas was victimized. How do we know that? He got his eyes on the present world. There's so much glitter. There's so much neon lights in the world. There's so much that the world says to us that it literally has to offer. And every one of us have lived long enough in this life to recognize that the world is lying. You have to keep moving on in your commitment to the Lord. Regardless when other people bail or abandon or fall aside. I was just speaking to one of my dear friends. We grew up together. We were boys in the church together. And we were talking about a very dear friend of ours. A very dear friend that we've known for decades, who once was on fire for the Lord. He had zeal. He had passion. Now his wife and him are going through a divorce because he derailed. His life came apart. He forsook the Lord. Why? Because of the present things of the world. Folks, I'm telling you, it's not just how you start. You have to stay consistent. You have to stay after the Lord With all of your heart. You know, this year is my 25th year of ministry. I have been in full-time ministry since I have been 20 years of age. And I'm 45 years old. But you know what? Where will I be in 20 years from now? Where will I be when I'm 65 and 40 years deep into the ministry? I think about 45 years deep. I think about that. We have to keep the fire burning. And that's no one else's responsibility except ours, and that's between you and the Lord. Come on, are you with me tonight?
Demas was following Paul, and you think about this. He was following Paul through Rome and yet following behind, and he walks through the streets of Rome, and now he is being distracted. He is being detoured. Think about that. He's following Paul, but he's being detoured. He's being taken away by the things that are in the present world. This may come off sounding legalistic, but it is not. It is wisdom. I believe that when the stars of the world, who everybody fanfares and celebrates and follows, when they become the stars of the church, we're in serious trouble. You're going to applaud the message tonight, I can tell. We're just getting started. I shared a few weeks ago, you know, ambassadors had to always be called back to the king to spend time with the king's heart. And the reason why is because the king did not want that ambassador getting sympathetic to the culture that he was sent to. Are you still with me? Demas, you think about this, Demas was an ambassador. Demas was with Paul. Demas was serving one of the greatest apostles that ever walked the face of the earth. And then Paul says, he has forsaken me. Wow. Does that touch you? It touches me. I got a question for you tonight. Where did Demas end up? It's interesting. The scriptures never tell us. It never tells us the end of a story. I have a feeling it wasn't good, and I want to declare over you, it will never be your story. Hallelujah. See, God is desiring to build you and I. He's desiring to build people for the long haul, not to be victimized by the world. God's dream for you has never been that you would be victimized by the world, but that God would raise you up as a man and a woman of God that would be elevated to come into a victorious, reigning, triumphant lifestyle. In 2 Corinthians in uh, chapter 6, right, right there at verse 14, Paul says, he says, come out from the world. Such a strong word. Such a strong word. And you've got to let this word mess with you. Don't insulate your heart. From the cutting of the Lord. The same sword of the Lord that cuts you is the same sword of the Lord that heals you. It is a two-edged sword. He said, come out from the world and touch not the unclean thing. Such a strong word. I think the, I think the church needs to hear this type of a word in 2018. Come out from the world, touch not the unclean thing. Then he says, then I will receive you unto myself, and I will be a father unto you, and you will be my sons and my daughters. Now, that's, that's affectionate talk. That's affectionate, loving talk from the father. But notice there's a prerequisite. When papa or daddy says, come out from that, that means If Papa says, do not touch that, do not touch what is unclean, do not let yourself go there, you've got to let go of the things of the world. Donna Scott said last week our hillbilly preacher up in this house, <laughs> come on, 
She said, you got to let go of your pet sins. What a word. Paul says, come out from the world. Touch not the unclean thing. And then God says, he says, God makes this declaration. I want to declare over you that you're my sons and my daughters. But in order to declare over you, you're my sons and daughters, you have to come out from them. Come on. Chapter 7, verse 1 there in, in 2 Corinthians, he goes on. He says, therefore, since we actually have this precious promise from our Father, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Wow. I'd like you to turn to 1 John chapter 2 for a moment. 1 John chapter 2. And I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. So if you have your Passion Translation, go there. How many of you are loving the Passion Translation? Isn't it amazing? If you don't have it, get it. Get it. That's the word of the Lord. Get it. Demas was who? He was the victimized person, number one. He was the victimized person. Out of the Passion Translation and beginning in verse 15, verse 15, It says, don't set your affections of your heart on the things of this world or in loving the things of this world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. I love that. For all that the world can offer, the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, and the obsession with status and importance... None of these things come from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires are in the process of passing away. But those who love to do the will of God live forever. Come on, somebody shout amen tonight. This is us. God wants you and I to be fully consecrated to him, friends. Don't be afraid of that word in 2018, consecrated, set apart, holy unto the Lord. That's what holy means. You are set apart unto the Lord. You are set apart unto the Lord. I'm declaring over you, reminding you, you are set apart to the Lord. You do not belong to this world. You belong to a good father. It is dangerous to become a Demas. It is dangerous to play with the things of this present world. You can get to a very dangerous place, and you can easily be victimized by the world if you have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Don't ever live that way, folks. Now, interesting enough about Demas, let's go back to Paul. Demas is now connected to a man. He's traveling with one of the greatest apostles, one of the greatest preachers now that has ever lived. Demas literally could have been another Elisha. Now, what do I mean by that? He could have been another Elisha. His destiny was filled with limitless, unprecedented potential. Think of that. Demas is following the apostle Paul, folks. His destiny was unlimited in where God could have taken him and used him, yet he was victimized because he began to love this present world. If you remember the story, 
some of you do, you'll remember that Elisha was following the prophet Elijah. And he had so many tests through different cities that he went through. And finally, as they crossed over the river together, Elijah told Elisha, he said, if you see me when I am taken, he said, you will receive a double portion. You remember this? If you see me when I'm taking, taken, you will receive a double portion. A whirlwind comes, a whirlwind and a chariot of fire. Man, I'm telling you what, Elijah went out of this place in style. Holy Ghost style. Speaking of Elijah, last year I was standing on Mount Carmel where the fire of God literally came down. Literally came down. And while we were standing with our team on Mount Carmel and we were looking over the valley of Megiddo, the valley of Armageddon, we looked to the north towards Syria and Lebanon. And while we were standing there, a whirlwind, literally a whirlwind came out of the sky and sat on a mountain and shot back up in 15 seconds. Everybody in the team went, did you see that? Wow. Wow. Hallelujah. Those on our Israel team, you better get ready. Oh, my. You better get ready. I feel a T.D. Jakes coming on me right now. Get ready. Get, 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 get. Okay, so get ready. Okay. <laughs> what I want to bring out about Elisha is that he followed him to the end. I would say about Elisha, just like Paul said, I finished my course. I finished my course. He went all the way, and he saw his spiritual father taken, and he cried out, my father, my father. And the mantle came down while Elijah is shooting into the heavens on a chariot of fire in a whirlwind. His mantle is floating down. And there Elisha is to pick up that mantle. And he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he smites the waters, and the waters part, and all the prophets are standing there gasping. And they have an epiphany. Wow, the anointing that was on Elijah is now on Elisha. Why am I bringing this out? Because Demas could have been a man that received such a spiritual DNA impartation from one of the greatest apostles walking the planet. But guess what? He got snuffed out. It's sobering, isn't it? It's sobering. Faithfulness is the key. Write it down tonight. Faithfulness is the key. You have to finish strong. You have to stay the course. You have to keep your faith. Come on. You got to keep your faith. In Mark chapter 4, I'll just mention this tonight. And would you put it in your notes? Look at it later. It's one of the greatest parables. And Jesus told his apostles, he said, if you understand this parable, you'll understand them all. And it's about the seed going into the ground. And Jesus said that some of the seed... It falls on stony ground. And I would submit to you that that's where the seed that Paul was sowing was just like Demas's heart. It was hard and it was stony. And when the things of the world start courting you and seducing you, your heart will dry up in a moment. you got to guard your heart, folks. you got to guard your heart, especially in this hour that we're living in. Demas's, they get, they get victimized. How do they get victimized? Because of the cares of the world. It's what we just read in 1 John. It's the cares of the world. It's the lust of the flesh. It's the lust of the eye. 
It's the pride of life that ensnares and brings slavery. And now Paul says, Demas has forsaken me. It's strong language, isn't it? Number two, I want to give you tonight is the vacillating person. Would you write this down? The vacillating person. In verse 11 now it reads, and Paul says, Luke is with me now. We're at verse 11. Luke is with me now. And then he goes on to say, he says, take Mark and bring him with you, for he is profitable for ministry. Now this is very, very important that we touch on this tonight. For those of you that have studied the life of the apostles, and listen, every one of us are at different ages in the Lord. Some of us in here have been saved a year. Some of us have been saved five years, some for decades. I encourage you, wherever you're at, read the book of Acts and study the life of the apostles, but also study the interactions that went on between the apostles because there was falling out amongst the apostleship. There were those that did not really make the grade and make the cut, but later on they made the cut. It's so important. I want to talk to you for a moment about Mark, and I'll submit to you tonight that Mark starts as the vacillating person. Write this in your notes tonight. Put down Acts 15 and Acts 13. In Acts 15, we have this discussion, this argument that goes on between the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Barnabas because Barnabas wanted to take Mark with them, and Paul just refused it and said, no, we're not taking him. And there was a spat. I mean, I mean, shouldn't we just read the Bible and say, yep, people are people? Are you still with me tonight? So there was a spat. Paul didn't want to take Mark. Barnabas did. But notice what it says. He says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. He has departed for Thessalonica. He goes on. He says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful for my ministry or for the ministry. Mark is the type of person who dealt and had issues in his life with vacillating. What is vacillating? It means to be inconsistent. Wow. I think a term from Illinois, what we would use is wishy-washy. If you're, if, you're, if you're dealing with someone who is vacillating, my mom would use that term. term. They're wishy-washy. You don't know where they stand. One day they stand here, another day they stand here. One day they're this color, the next day they're a chameleon. Now they got spots. You don't know what's going on. It's inconsistent. Are you with me? The vacillating person, he's inconsistent. In James chapter 1 in verse 8, James is a very intense apostle. Okay? You got to really strap in to read the book of James. He's intense. There's a fire to him. There's a fire. There's an intensity. He says this in James 1.8. He says, a double-minded man or woman or woe man is unstable in all of his or her ways. I, I, I submit to you tonight, if you want to define what vacillating is, it's being double-minded. The Lord wants to move in our lives in the core. If we drill down to the core of who we are in our character, in our integrity, God wants there to be no double-mindedness. He doesn't want, His dream for you and I is not to be a vacillating individual. 
He doesn't want you wishy-washy. He wants you strong. He wants you anchored in this world that is drifting away. He wants you anchored. I have to do that. It gets quiet in this Lutheran church. A vacillating person is someone who actually starts out on the right path, but they get easily discouraged. And when they get discouraged, they begin to vacillate. Every one of us have been discouraged. You're not immune from the attacks of the enemy to bring discouragement. No one is immune to that. Jesus even said in this life, you're going to have tribulations and trials. You're going to go through a lot of crap. That's right. Crap in the Greek means you get it, crap. You're going to have so much stuff thrown at you in your life. But when you are disappointed... You're going to have to submit that disappointment to the throne and allow him to give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise. Come on, church, for a spirit of heaviness. You're going to go through things you're never going to understand, and you're going to have to submit those things to God and say, I'm willing to live with you, Lord, even if I don't understand the mystery. I'm willing to leave it behind and forsake my disappointment. Come on, I'm preaching in here. You've got to forsake disappointment. And every one of us are facing it in some level or another. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. I'm going to read out of the, the Passion Translation once again. I can't get away from it. It says this, it says, now you understand that I have imparted to you my authority to trample over the devil's kingdom, his kingdom. You will trample on every demon. You will trample on every demon before you and overcome every power that Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you. As you walk in my authority. Thank you. Come on. No one's exempt from hard times. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. That will cause you to overcome whatever vile, sinister thing that the enemy is trying to sift you out. When the enemy is trying to sift you out, when he's trying to discourage you, I had a mentor in my life, and he used to say to me, he would say, Brian, don't you gratify the devil one day by giving in to discouragement. And I'm telling you, when I hit some places of hardcore discouragement, I can hear that rising up in my spirit. Don't you gratify the enemy not one day by staying in discouragement. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord some praise. Come on. Don't keep your eyes on the discouragement. Please don't keep your eyes on your circumstances. Things are going to change. Amen? Things are going to change. You may suffer sickness in your body. You may face financial troubles. Remember this. God is faithful. His name is faithful and true. His name is faithful 
and true. And I like to say it this way. When you make a promise, you create hope. But when you keep a promise, you create trust. And you can trust the one who gives promises over your life. Woo! Mark now has hung in there. He was a vacillating person, but here's Paul's confession over him. He says, I want you to bring Mark with me. You know what that means? That means Mark got it together. That means Mark used to be a vacillator, but now he's saying, make sure you bring Mark with you because he's profitable for ministry. You know what that, it's, it's what we learn, but then we understand that here's a life that has now been fully consecrated to the Lord. People can have failures in their life. Don't you ever define an individual by their failures. Don't you ever do it. That same mentor taught me. He said, don't you never put a never on a man. No, never. You can put that in your notes. It's true. Because people will fail. You failed yourself. You've had failings you've never told anybody about. But God was faithful to you, watching over your life, gracing you, harnessing you in His goodness, in His grace, and making sure that you would be transformed from a vacillator to a victorious man and a woman of God. Come on. So now Mark is ready. Mark is ready. He says, now I want you to bring him. The third person I want to introduce tonight, the third person is the venomous person. Oh, Lord. I need somebody on the keyboards. Don't do 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 Don't don't. That was pretty good. Don't don't. The venomous person. We're not talking about the victimized person now. We're not talking about the vacillating person. Now we're talking about the venomous person. Who is the venomous person? In verse 14, look at your scriptures in verse 14. Paul minces no words. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. Whoa. Paul's not mincing words. Then he goes on and says, you know what? He's going to get what's coming to him. Let the Lord repay him. Oh, I like that. Who is the venomous person? Who is the venomous person? You know, I think it's important how we learn how to deal with venomous people. Are you all okay? Can I keep going? We got to grow in our courage to deal with venomous people. I'm praying for our president on how to learn how to properly deal with venomous people. I'm telling you. They're trying everything they can to ambush him and sabotage him. And, man, does he like to boom. He fights fire with fire. I remember when Kim Clement prophesied he would be a man, the next president would be a a man of hot blood. And he's hot-blooded. Okay, so so we're moving away from that really quick. (laughs) Okay, he would be hot-blooded. We've got to learn how to deal. He's hot blooded. Okay, so we're back. Now we're back. We're really back. We're back to the scriptures. Venomous people are who? Write it down. Venomous people are bitter. They're bitter. Venomous people are full of poison. They're full of poison. They're full of hate. They're full of spite. Man, this is strong. This is really strong. 
They're full of bitterness, poison, hate, and spite. Alexander, the coppersmith, he did evil to Paul. That means he was purposely ambushing him and trying to sabotage him. He was literally trying to stop him. In Proverbs chapter 4, it says, guard your heart. Above all things, guard your heart, because out of your heart is going to flow the issues of life. Your heart is going to guard you. or your, I'm sorry, your heart is going to lead you. It's going to lead you. you got to guard your heart. you got to watch over it. you got to steward your heart, and you got to be careful. I can say over you tonight with great confidence, there will be, there will be other times later in your life you're going to get bit again. I'm not prophesying a bad word over you. I'm just telling you, you're going to get bit again. But you may be bitten, but you don't have to be poisoned. And there is a difference. You will get bit again, but you don't have to be poisoned. You don't have to take on other people's hatred or spite. I have no problem telling somebody behind closed doors, you're a devil. I have no problem doing that. I don't say that out for everybody else to hear, but when I'm behind a closed door, I will sort somebody out. And I'm going to tell you, that that was never my personality. That was never who I was until the Holy Ghost began to groom me and grow me. Why am I bringing this up? Because God wants you to be a very strong, bold, and courageous person. You're not vacillating. You're not fickle. You're not wishy-washy. And when you confront someone who is venomous, you are able to shut them down down and tell them hit the bricks come on hit the bricks and don't you come back no more no more okay hit the road jerk I don't know what's happening here I don't <laughs> I don't know I don't know I'm, I'm going to tell you something the way I pray all the time I pray that God keeps me from venomous people And I pray all the time I never become a venomous person. I pray over my children. I pray over my wife. I pray over our relationships. God, give us life-giving, healthy relationships. It's so important. Pray that over your family, your children, your grandchildren. Pray that over them. And then pray this way. Lord, cut away any potentially dangerous relationship from their lives and our lives. Life is too short to be surrounded with a bunch of venomous people. That's why you got to learn to confront venomous people. Man, I, I, I think about the epic battles that our president is engaged in right now in the White House. I think about the snakes and the devils that are just coming out of every, everywhere and what he's having to deal with. I pray that God gives him great victory and great success. I mean it. I pray he gives him great success. Well, we've been waiting to get to the fourth person all night, and this is so important because this is who you are. This is who you are. You're the victorious person. Come on. You're the victorious person. This is who we are. This is Luke. This is Luke. And I love what Paul says. He says, only Luke is with me now. Only Luke is with me now. He's the faithful. He's the faithful. Write it down. Luke is the faithful. Now, think about this. Luke has a future that is totally secure. He's a doctor. He's got security in community. Think about this. He's a doctor. He's probably more well-off than people in the community. He's got great standing. He's got great favor. Do you understand? Now, you think about that. But yet, 
Luke made a decision to leave everything and follow after the Lord Jesus and then the Apostle Paul. Isn't that amazing? That even though he was blessed, that even though he had great favor on his life, he had maybe a place and status throughout the community, throughout the culture. Oh, there's Luke, Dr. Luke. And yet he chose to submit himself to the Apostle Paul. I submit to you that he was the victorious man. He was the victorious one. Luke was not victimized. He was not a vacillator. Luke was not venomous. Luke was the victorious man. And I submit to you to this tonight, that God is building you and I, you and I, to be victorious people. He's patiently building us to be victorious sons and daughters. Those that are set apart. Those that, like Paul, we could say, I have kept the faith. Amen? Let, it be, let, let this be our testimony. I kept the faith. I finished my course. I stayed true. I got over my failures. I got over my own vacillations. I got over being bit by other people. I got over all of these things because greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. And Paul says, Aaron, that he has made us more than conquerors. He has made us more than conquerors. Folks, your high calling is to be a victorious man and woman. And you can through the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can, we can, and we can do this together. We can do this in community, and we can finish our course well. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise tonight. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.